This is Allegra Dida from the University of Cambridge Judge Business School. I'm sitting here today with Nadia Denton. Nadia has been working in the film industry for over 10 years. She has curated programs at the British Film Institute and Institute of Contemporary Arts and acted as a consultant for several film festivals, funding bodies and film schools. She's been featured on CNN and BBC Radio 4. And she has published a book titled The Nigerian's Filmmaker's Guide to Success Beyond Nollywood. Nadia, thanks a lot for agreeing to talk to us today. And it's a great pleasure to have you. And I guess you know, my first question is, um, how did you come up with the idea of the book? And why was it important to showcase the richness and diversity of the Nigerian film industry now? So when I completed my first book, I had it in mind that I was going to write another version, but at that time I was thinking of the European market. So I was thinking about multicultural filmmakers in Europe. Because at the time I was told with my first book that it was quite niche, looking obviously at black filmmakers just in the UK. Um, and then I just had this brainwave uh, to write about Nigeria. And I was kind of thinking, oh, I'm not sure about this, because at the time I didn't really know a great deal about the industry. I'd worked with some Nigerian filmmakers, but hadn't sort of delved into it extensively. So I started to do some research around the feasibility, so looking at what had already been written, whether there was anything similar to the ideas that I had, and I found there was a gap. Basically, what you had was a lot of uh, books about the history of Nollywood, certainly more academic texts, nothing practical, nothing that sort of working filmmaker could use to get finance, to market and distribute their work. One of the other things I'd also noted while I was doing my initial research was that there was a new uh, generation, I felt, of filmmaker emerging whose work hadn't really been documented. Uh, so these were filmmakers who were making like independent films, indie films, as we would say in the West, uh, documentary films, animation, etc. And also, it just so happened that my timing um, seems to have been perfect because, I mean, certainly most of my um, interviewees in the book agree that there's definitely something happening, something special in terms of like the creative sector in Nigeria. And... Quite a number of us feel that this has been down to the fact that a lot of younger generation Nigerians have returned home. And so in the return, they've kind of brought back international cultural influences, which they have sort of merged with local traditional cultural practices and so on. So in the midst of that, various people coming and going and mixing different sort of cultural forms, it's birthed what I will call a kind of new cultural output. And obviously, this is the focus of my book. Can you tell us a bit more about this new wave in Nigerian cinema, this, the new Nollywood, as it's been called in the, uh, in the literature and in the press recently? Traditionally, Nollywood as we know it, low-budget films, which typically are shot in a couple of days, normally they were just made more for a kind of commercial market, so there wasn't perhaps some of the finesse that from a cinematic point of view that we might be used to. This is like the core Nollywood. And also they were typically made for a domestic at-home audience. The main differences with the new types of cinema that we have now are that filmmakers are um, incorporating more artistic aesthetics to the work. Um, they're definitely making these films for the big screen or for international consumption. So they are taking that into account in terms of the way that they're making their films. And also they are very much thinking about it being in a cinema and also touring the festival circuit, and perhaps being enjoyed in a sort of more traditional filmic sense than just um, at home. So those are some of the sort of like key differences. I would also say that you're having much more of output in other areas, other genres, so animation, for instance, uh, documentary filmmaking. I mean, you've had it, but perhaps to, it, it's increased. 
definitely the whole sort of music video scene has um, exploded. Yeah, and also you have a, a handful of web series too. It's quite interesting, the, this, this evolution from having this mainstream Nollywood film industry that you know, focuses mainly on, as you said, the domestic market, direct-to-video distribution, lots of movies being produced in a very, very short time frame for the domestic market, to moving to this new generation of indie filmmakers coming in with more international ambitions. And, um, and I find it quite interesting from a historical perspective, to, you know, just to compare this to what happened in, in Hollywood at the turn of the 20th century, when basically it seems to have been kind of a reverse evolution from mainstream cinema dominated by a cartel in New York to the Indies starting uh, a revolution in Hollywood to basically escape the quotas of, of Thomas Edison and, and the cartel. If I understand you well, in Nollywood, you go from kind of almost guerrilla filmmaking, two days to shoot a movie, put it on the home video market directly domestically, to actually this, you know, kind of more mainstream, more international type of audience orientation of the new filmmakers. Historically, there has been the uh, Yoruba genre of filmmaking, which start, started before Nollywood, so to speak, which people date around the early 90s. And certainly uh, with the Yoruba genre of, of filmmaking, that came from the traveling theater tradition. In terms of Nigerian culture, it seemed to be a, a more superior style of filmmaking just in terms of the aesthetic. When we're just talking about the core Nollywood, which started in the early 90s, yes, but that's not to discount the fact that you had other filmmaking traditions prior to that, which perhaps didn't so neatly fit into that Nollywood model. Certainly with some of those Yoruba filmmakers, they were shooting films on 35 mil. They also had some degree of international exposure and also their aesthetics were quite different to what you find in the sort of typical Nollywood. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds very much like what's happening in India, where everyone talks about Indian cinema as Bollywood without acknowledging the diversity and the different types of cinemas that are you know, far beyond the actual definition of what a Bollywood film looks like and the format of what a Bollywood film is. Exactly. So basically, that is the core premise of my book. I essentially wanted to look at what is the Nigerian film industry beyond Nollywood. Can you tell us a little bit more about, you've just touched upon that, the, uh, the creative ecosystem that exists in Nigeria today, I mean, not only in, in, you know, in terms of cinema, but also the relationship between cinema and the other creative industries? During the 80s and 90s to some extent, because of the political situation in the country, a lot of the cinemas that you had um, at the time, so there were hundreds of cinemas in Nigeria pre-80s, um, had closed down or perhaps weren't being frequented so often because of security. Basically what you had is a lot of people essentially consuming films or entertainment and audiovisual form at home. So when we're talking largely about the Nigerian film industry and certainly Nollywood, it has been historically about what people are consuming in the home. Now in recent years, you have had a re-emergence of a culture of people wanting to go to cinema to consume films. As we speak, there are probably less than about 15 cinemas in the southern part of the country. There are developments, more cinemas are being built, but the cinema element of the Nigerian film industry at the moment is quite small and certainly is nowhere near meeting the demand in terms of Nigeria's population, which is 174 million approximately. So when we're talking about the film culture, we're really looking at what's happening in the home in terms of television. Now, what's changed in recent years in terms of like DVD output 
and Nollywood films on television is you have an increasing number of cable channels like African Magic which show Nollywood films throughout the day and they have like uh, different varieties of Nollywood films. So what, this, what has happened is that DVD sales have gone down because people are increasingly consuming films through these satellite platforms, not just in Nigeria, but across Africa and internationally. And then, of course, you also have the emergence of new VOD platforms such as Iroko TV, which is primarily at the moment um, consumed by a diaspora audience. So they also, up until recently, had like free unlimited amount of films that you could watch online. Their, their subscription terms have changed now. So that's probably been the main shift in that you have DVD sales um, have been, in recent years, increasingly going down. Um, more people consuming maybe higher aesthetic Nollywood films at home through cable channels and also in the diaspora on VOD platforms. And then, of course, um, filmmakers increasingly pushing to have their releases um, in theatres, both in Nigeria, other parts of Africa and internationally. In terms of the type of movies that are released in the theatres, can you give us a, a rough breakdown of the nationalities of the movies that are shown in Nigeria? Well, in Nigeria, it's much like many other countries. So you have obviously the Hollywood Fair. I believe there's also a certain element of Bollywood films that are shown. And then, of course, you have the indigenously produced films. And certainly from some of the cinema managers that I've spoken to, there have been attempts to try and encourage indigenous production and to have those indigenous films shown. Of course, there's still challenges in terms of the marketing of them and local uptake, because there's still this perception broadly amongst audiences that maybe the Hollywood film is maybe going to be worth more of their money than some of the Nigerian films. You know, you have a handful full of films that perhaps had stronger marketing campaigns or been more anticipated, they have been able to get some of those audiences. So Nigerian produced films still are a, a minority of the films that are shown in the cinema in Nigeria. And even then, of course, like in any country, they suffer from their, their performances in that if maybe they had been booked in for a week and they don't perform in the first two days, obviously they're going to be pulled out and invariably it's probably going to be a Hollywood blockbuster that is going to go in. So Nigerian filmmakers, independent filmmakers, are like independent filmmakers anywhere in the world where you know the Hollywood machine is that monster that you know you're constantly trying to ensure that in your marketing and audit engagement you can have some kind of sufficient uptake just to sort of have a reasonable presence in the cinema. That also implies shooting the movies in English rather than in any of the regional languages that may have been a little bit more represented in the past in, in, in the Nigerian film output than they are today? Yes and no. I mean, certainly the majority of Nigerian filmmakers that I've worked with and who are going for an international audience do have um, English language films. But you do have still filmmakers who are making indigenous language films, perhaps because there's a particular theme that they want to explore or they feel that there's certain performances they're going to get out of their actors, which will be better in that indigenous language. Some of these films have had interesting performances internationally on the film festival circuit. There's a title called Be For Boy. It's an Igbo language film and it won the prize for best new feature at the American Film Institute's festival. And it also got a special mention at the London Film Festival last year. There's also a film called Onye Oze, which translates as The Messenger. Um, it's again another Igbo language film. That director, um, Obi Emulonye, he's made other English language films, The Mirror Boy, Last Flight to Abuja, but he just decided that he wanted to make a film in his indigenous language. So certainly I would say that filmmakers are probably using indigenous language films as it suits the particular story and the script. I don't think any of them are necessarily committed to just one language or the other. And of course, you do have, with many of the majority English language films, bits where there might be an indigenous language. Are there many international co-productions? There are certainly informal agreements between filmmakers. 
But certainly in terms of the structure in Nigeria and in terms of, you know, like the policy side, no. In terms of like the, the, the British Film Institute and their documentation, they don't have any agreement with, the, with Nigeria. And certainly it's something that has been pulled up by a few of the filmmakers internationally because they feel it would be certainly more advantageous. But then of course you have filmmakers like the production half of A Yellow Sun, they brought in an international crew. So largely what you're having is informal co-productions where filmmakers are brokering their own deals and, you know, forming alliances either abroad or bringing people over to Nigeria. But they're not actually encouraged by the local authorities to go into international co-productions. Yeah, not, not documented sort of like hard and fast. I mean, certainly you have like, for instance, the Lagos state government. They have been very active in encouraging people to shoot in Lagos. They offer certain sort of soft incentives and support. Um, but yeah, it's not something that is sort of watertight as it might be, you know, in terms of the international agreements that we might be used to. So obviously when we talk about international co-production, we think about Hollywood and you mentioned Bollywood in terms of distribution and exhibition within Nigeria. However, there are other African local cinemas as well. How do they interact with the Nigerian cinema? Well, I would say typically with Nollywood, so to speak, the core Nollywood, a lot of the alliances that you would see tend to be with Ghana in the sense that you will have quite popular Ghanaian actors or you will have parts of the film maybe shot in Ghana. And that's obviously because the countries are near to one another and they both have English as their main language, obviously surrounded by other Francophone countries. And certainly that's clearly, you know, a case of the filmmakers and producers wanting to increase their market share. So looking at which audiences are going to consume and the fact that they can maybe guarantee a certain percentage in that given country if they have those actors. I have spoken to filmmakers who've expressed an interest in going further afield. Some of them have indicated that they would like to do things in East Africa. Some have even said they want to do things, you know, with North African talent. A lot of Nigerian filmmakers do shoot in South Africa, but there's not been any sort of major cultural exchange in terms of very obvious popular South African actors or Nigerian actors in South Africa. I mean, you have had it to some degree, but not in any sort of notable form. It's certainly not as strong as you would have between Nigeria and Ghana. Given the size of Nigeria as a country and given the importance of the moving image industry within the economic ecosystem of Nigeria, is there any ambition in Nigeria to make the country a regional hub for African cinema? Producers have expressed this and certainly the government are pushing for the industry to have more support and to encourage more employment. But I can't say that there's any one body or other that's been a, a massive sort of government initiative directly focused on that. I've certainly heard of individual initiatives where people want to set up like a film city or perhaps they want to have events that they know are going to attract filmmakers from across West Africa. But it's much more about those individuals or those little cooperatives as opposed to any wider governmental or industry-wide initiative. Certainly you do have a new film festival in Nigeria called the African International Film Festival, AFRIF. They very much want to have themselves as a hub for West African and broader African filmmakers. We've already talked a little bit about the other film industries in passing, about Hollywood, about Bollywood. In terms of organization, in terms of internal value chain and ecosystem, how does the Nigerian film industry differ or what are the commonalities with Hollywood and with Bollywood? There's a bit of misconception in that when UNESCO did their report, I think it was in 2006, and they quoted X number of films that Nigeria was making which trailed behind Bollywood, I believe it was. There's been some dispute, certainly by Western film analysts, in that 
Generally, the figures that are touted in terms of Bollywood and Hollywood refer to uh, films that have been released in the cinema. And they refer to films that generally are over 60 minutes and have perhaps yes. been made for some wider commercial purpose. Whereas the figures that were quoted in terms of Nigeria were referring to, um, in essence, DVDs or content that would be viewed in the home. I have spoken to a number of individuals who basically say that we're not really comparing like with like. When we're talking about the Nigerian film industry, what we're really talking about essentially is a video industry. It's not the same. So obviously there is that debate that ranges, not to downplay the size of Nigeria's industry. But certainly what I have been told by certain analysts is that if you were then to compare the number of DVDs or films released on formats to be seen in the home with other countries, Nigeria perhaps wouldn't be as high as it had been ranked. I think as a result of that UNESCO report and those figures being touted, it perhaps has created this misconception in terms of the fact that Nigeria had really at that time what was more of a video industry as opposed to a film industry where you had films X number coming out of the cinema backed by box office returns. So obviously if we're talking about an industry that relies or has been relying so far essentially on home video distribution, the question that comes to mind is the question around piracy. How is the Nigerian film industry affected by digital distribution and piracy? Well, certainly some commentators would say that up to 50% of revenues are lost through piracy. Clearly, one of the major issues you've had in the Nigerian case is that people feel that there has been limited government intervention in terms of clamping down on piracy. You have had some more successful engagement or activity around piracy in the States. So, for instance, in New York, I believe it was the Filmmakers Association of Nigeria worked together with police enforcement, I believe it's in New York, and they were able to clamp down and to prosecute individuals who were physically pirating DVDs and also individuals who were putting up films online. So, yeah, piracy is still quite a big issue. However, much of this sort of new generation of filmmaker that I talk about in the book the way in which they've been able to get around piracy is really to release their films in the cinema. Now, certainly in terms of all of the reports I've had, there's been no reporting of piracy in cinemas. So having your film released in the cinema during the International Film Festival circuit, and in some cases releasing your film in the cinema abroad before Nigeria, seems to be a way to counteract pirate activity and get a certain amount of your revenues before your film will get copied. But in terms of going back to the original part of your question, certainly the, the, sh the, the shelf life of your average Nigerian film that's made for DVD is quite short. It's only a two week period. And that really was put up in place because it was seen that that was a period in which the producer should be able to make their given revenues back with, before the element of piracy would eat into their profits to a significant degree. What I find interesting as well is this, this statement you just made that in movie theatres, piracy doesn't happen when traditionally, you know, before we had the internet and before some people could actually go online and, and get movies this way, the traditional form of piracy was someone sitting in a movie theater with a video camera and filming the screen as the movie was there, was screened. And that doesn't happen. Well, my suspicion is that that doesn't happen, A, because there's probably only up to about 20 cinemas. Also, it would seem that the majority of people attending those cinemas are of a certain income bracket. And because going to the cinema is associated with being perhaps from a certain income bracket and it's an entertainment option and it's almost like in some cases a form of showing off. The people are going to the cinema with certain intentions, which perhaps not quite the same in the West where cinema is really for a mass audience. And even if you are, you know, even if you're on income support or you have a low income, you can afford to go to the cinema. Whereas obviously in the case of Nigeria, the majority of the population either can't afford to go to the cinema or there certainly is the capacity. 
So I, I would imagine that probably when Nigeria gets to the stage of having 100 cinemas or so, then it will be a different conversation. Also, um, from what I have been told, the size of the cinema halls in Nigeria are smaller. So your average theatre might have something like 100, 200, up to 300. Not like some of the cinemas we might have, you know, in Europe or even in the West, where it could be up to 1,000. And so trying to police and manage who might be or might not be pirating or engaging in illegal activity would be more difficult. And how many screens on average per cinema? I think it's two to three from what I recall, yeah. This is in the, south, the southern part of the country. In the north, it's slightly different. This comparison with the fact that in most Western markets, cinema is actually the most affordable art form, whereas in Nigeria, it's actually an art form that you can only access if you've got a certain level of income. It's quite telling. Yeah, in terms of the cinema, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, I suppose, comfort themselves in that they know that many of these, most of these cinema films are going to be available in a couple of months, either on DVD or uh, on a VOD platform. So certainly I don't get a sense that on the ground people feel that there's any kind of elitism or that they're excluded. There is this feeling that eventually they, they're going to get to see it. Or And of course, there's so many other films in the market. There's no feeling socially that people feel that the cinema's offering something that they don't have access to or that they're excluded. Yeah, and it really depends on the culture of the country in terms of, you know, what's, what do you do on a Saturday night? Do you stay at home watching movies or do you go to the cinema? As a business school, what can we learn from Nigerian filmmakers? Certainly, in terms of some of the specifics about how the creative sector is increasingly contributing to the GDP, not just, well, not just for developing nations, but for countries as a whole. One of my interviewees, uh, John Halkin, he's the author of the book, The Creative Economy, um, How to Make Money from Ideas. One of his chief arguments is that creativity and innovation are the most profitable areas of the economy. Perhaps in the, in the business world, this is still quite a difficult argument because unfortunately there still can be this sort of perception that creativity is a bit soft and woolly and it's not really serious. So I feel certainly that increased engagement by the business school with the Nigerian creative sector will open up new conversations about how economies are being developed and how new elements of different sectors are contributing to the economies of some of these countries. I think on the reverse side, Nigerian filmmakers would certainly be interested in engaging with institutions like Judge Business School because, of course, increasingly they have to present quite sophisticated business propositions to their investors. And obviously any increased arguments or research or new forms of discourse around film financing and uh, the ways in which the business world want to engage with creativity would be useful to them. And, and I think this, it would be a fantastic conversation to start having, as you said, with the Nigerian film industry and Nigerian filmmakers. And I completely hear what you're saying about creativity. And this is a fight and a kind of an uphill battle we've been fighting in the University of Cambridge Judge Business School for many years now. Fundamentally, what businesses do, the first thing they do when there's a recession, they cut down on creativity and innovation when this is actually the skills that they need the most in order to get out of a recession. And, uh, and this is something we've been really focusing on in, in, in the University of Cambridge Judge Business School. And it would, it would be fantastic to start this conversation and learn more about creativity from the Nigerian filmmaker's perspective and, and maybe discuss our approach to creativity as well with those Nigerian filmmakers. And we're very happy to provide film finance, project management type of courses that you mentioned as well to help as much as we can. What sounds like a fantastically creative, fantastically exciting new development 
in the uh, in the African and Nigerian film industry. Thank you, Leica. <laughs> Thank you very much, Nadia, for spending time with us today, for sharing your knowledge and insight into this fascinating topic.